This morning I would like to uh, read the uh, first scripture passage, which is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6. Uh, Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And the second uh, scripture reference is Matthew seven fifteen to 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So it's not often that you hear the Bible quoted in the public square. Uh, But when you do, there are a couple of verses in particular that make the rounds, uh, that are often quoted. If uh, If you watch enough TV Uh, talk shows or um, news channel interviews, before long, you'll hear it. Um, As someone expresses an opinion about a lifestyle choice or or what another person has said or done, out it comes. Like Jesus said, don't judge, lest ye be judged. It's always in the King James, right? (laughs) That you hear it. So in other words, you're saying, Jesus says, don't judge, and therefore you shouldn't either. Or Or maybe they mean, uh, if, you're, if you judge, remember, you're going to be judged too. But is that what Jesus is saying? Is the implication here that Christians shouldn't judge? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is it true? I mean, is Jesus saying that we shouldn't express opinions? Is he saying that we shouldn't point out sin, that we should keep our faith expressions to ourselves? Um, or that no... Nothing that anybody else does should come under any kind of scrutiny. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, just if you, if you read through yourself, uh, uh, chapter 7, the verse, six verses, you get a couple of different messages. Verse 1, it says, don't judge. But by the time you get to verse 6, Jesus is calling certain people dogs and certain people pigs. I mean, there is a little bit of judgment in those words. So what is it? How do we, what do we do with Jesus' teaching here? We have to uh, understand that this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the greatest sermon ever. And he, Jesus ends this sermon talking about relationships, talking about relationships within the Christian community. And it's with that lens, I think, that we have to take a look at uh, what Jesus is saying. So what does Jesus mean? Well, verse, verse 1 says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, this word judge is uh, the Greek word 
crino. Crino, and just like our English words, uh, the word crino in Greek uh, has a range of meanings. Um, so the question is, what does Jesus mean? What, how is Jesus using this particular word in terms of judging? Well, on the one hand, uh, on the one uh, side of this continuum, you have uh, this word meaning evaluate. You see this uh, in a number of places throughout, uh, throughout Scripture. So it's inviting uh, discernment, or it's asking people to uh, decide between what is better rather than what is worse. Is that what Jesus is forbidding? Uh, not evaluating, uh, don't, not saying anything else against anyone else's beliefs, or uh, not calling anything else wrong. We're not to evaluate or criticize anything. Well, when you think about that, that doesn't really work. Because um, clearly when you say you can't judge anybody, you can't say that anything that they say is wrong, you're doing what? You're making a judgment, right? You're, you're, you're kind of criticizing or you're evaluating what, uh, what somebody else is saying. And in verse 6, when he, when he talks about people as dogs or as, um, as pigs, obviously there's a, a bit of a negative evaluation or uh, criticism there as well. So on the one hand, you have uh, this idea of evaluating, but on the other side, you have this idea of condemning. So if you, if you were to fast forward through Matthew to the very end, in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus gives this parable about the sheep and the goats. And there on the throne is God, and before him come the sheep and the goats. And he evaluates them uh, based on um, who they are and what they have done, whether they have followed the Lord. And it, it, in Revelation, it talks about people, all people, coming before the judgment seat of God. It's all pointing back to the Old Testament. It says that God will return to judge the earth, to condemn the wrong, to destroy evil. And so God judges in the sense of separating that which is good from bad, which is right from wrong. And it's a de- definitive act. And so here we understand that what Jesus is doing is he's saying you cannot sit in the place of God, which is why uh, Paul talks to the Romans in this way. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with, with contempt? We will all stand before God's judgment seat. In other words, only God is in a position to condemn. Only God is there to, to proclaim this definitive act. Only God is the one who ultimately, completely judges. So, um, he says all of this, Jesus, he says, uh, talks about judging in the midst of uh, relationships. We have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind. He's talking about how we do relationships well, how we have them, how they keep them, how, they, we, how, they, how we do them Jesus' way. I think a helpful question for us when we're determining uh, whether we're judging right is this. Are you trying to get that relationship back? In judging somebody, in talking in this way, are we trying to get that relationship back? Are we, or are we criticizing them in terms of getting rid of them, uh, pushing them off, breaking away from them, cutting off the relationship, creating distance, condemning? Is that what we are doing? Well, Jesus says that that's not the way that we are to do things. We shouldn't judge in the sense of condemnation or causing pain where there's a, a, a sense of arrogance or, 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 or we're 
trying to punish somebody or there's a condescension uh, in, in what we say. We're just trying to get rid of the person. We're just trying to write them off. We're trying to create distance between us and them. But given what Scripture says, um, in, in the sense of we are supposed to speak the truth, we're not supposed to be cowards, but we're supposed to do it in a way that reflects Jesus. We're supposed to look at people's fruit, the fruit in their life, and determine whether they are followers of Christ. That's actually what the next part uh, that Bob read to us this morning was all about. We are to, we are, we're supposed to evaluate people and their faith on fruit, especially those within the church, right? We're supposed to speak truth, but we're supposed to do it in a way that uh, there's, in which there's humility. When we, when we consider that, there has to be a, a balance. We can't be afraid of truth-telling, but on the other hand, we have to do so in love or humility, with respect for the other person, with a desire to maintain the relationship and not destroy it, to draw people into us and not cast them off. So the second question becomes, the first one was, what does Jesus mean in using this word judgment? The second one becomes, how does that work itself out in relationships? This balance between the two. Speaking the truth, but also speaking it in love and humility with an eye toward how Jesus interacted with people. How does that work in relationships? Well, Jesus addresses that in the next uh, few verses here in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How is it you can say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I have had horrible allergies uh, this, uh, uh, this fall season. And In fact, usually when, it, when you get to the time of, of the first frost, all the allergies goes away and life is good again, um, except for the coming snow and ice and all that. But allergies are good. But this year, for some reason, not so much. I felt like I had rocks in my eyes for weeks at a time. You saw me walking around with my glasses on and not wearing contacts. It was horrible. It was like the only thing I could think about, I felt like, at times. I felt like it was hard to read, read the computer. And this is the way it goes when you get stuff in your eye, whether it's a, an eyelash under your contact or um, you're woodworking and something pops in your eye. Whatever it is, you can't see. You can't see. It makes everything else blurry. And the truth of the matter is, it, it affects everything you do. You can't, you can't, it's like you can't do anything else until you get that thing out of your eye. Well, the same is true when there is sin in our lives, right? It affects our spiritual lens, how we see God, how we see one another, how we, uh, how we relate, how we discern, even how we judge, how we judge. So, let's say, for example, as a student, um, you... Uh, you, you were passed over constantly on the athletic field or the, in the court. You, n- you never got playing time. Or, 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 or you never were able to play the solo or get the big parts. Or maybe for you, it was um, uh, you, you, were, you were constantly, you, you had a bad breakup, right? And, and you just have this bitterness in you. There's just been a, a constant bitterness in your life. You're, you're filled with a, a lot of unforgiveness. Well, to those people who have that that, that bitterness in their lives, everything that goes on, every negative thing that goes on, is seen seen as a slight to that person. You know folks like that. They absolutely do. Or 
<clears throat> take a more public um, example. We have had, uh, it seems like a bad streak recently, of high-profile people involved in inappropriate sexual escapades. And, and Christians aren't immune from this. Particularly sad is when pastors who have publicly railed against sexual sin are caught in adultery or some misconduct of some kind. And so it, turn, we, it turns out that every sermon they were preaching to the congregation, they were actually preaching to themselves. And these were words of condemnation. Sin tends to lodge in your soul like a splinter in your eye. And when that happens, in order to see clearly, you've got to ask people to help you get it out. Because that's what Jesus is saying. Now, some, some people immediately say, well, I just go to the mirror, right? I just pull it out of my eye immediately, right? I go to the mirror. Well, in this case, and what Jesus, Jesus was saying, they didn't, they didn't have, mirrors weren't prevalent in that day and age. You needed somebody to come and help you take the speck out of your eye. <clears throat> and in the same way, we need people in our own life to come and, and to show us our flaws, to show us the ways that we have fallen short, to show us our unhealthy patterns. We need people like that in our lives. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do it, I mean, how do you take a speck out of someone's eye? You do it very carefully. So, if I were to uh, say to Sarah, 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 I, I, have, I, have a, I have an eyelash under my contact. Will you please help me out? And she starts to come at me with like a spoon or a, like some other sharp object, you know, or a pair of tweezers. I'd be like, no, no. Can we please use a tissue or something, right? We ask people for delicacy. We ask people for sensitivity right? and patience and gentleness. Well, in the same way, when we invite people into our lives to tell us the places where we fall short, we ask for delicacy. We ask for sensitivity. We ask for truth, to be sure, but we ask for it uh, just in a slow, kind of in invitational type way. And so as you consider how you might invite um, people into your life, or you might uh, be invited into other people's lives, to show them to discern or judge what is going on in their lives. Consider how Jesus tells us not to do things. He says we can't do this when we have a plank, a two-by-four, sticking out of our own eye. We know people who are hypersensitive, hypersensitive to the sins of others. They tend to have their own vision impaired by the own the only shortco uh, shortcomings in their life. But I want you to think about it a little bit different way. What if, what if Jesus is saying here, actually the speck in your own eye, it actually should look like a two by four. It should look huge to you. It, it, it should be this way. In fact, unless your sins loom large in your life, unless you see your sins as greater than those uh, of others that you're going to, you're going to have a hard time being of any use to anybody else. In fact, here's the thing. You know your sins. You know your sins a hundred times better than anyone else, than anyone else's, than, than, than your, your closest friend or, or your spouse, your closest relative. 
if our sins do not look like a plank to us, it shows us the state of our hearts. If, if, if we are not very, very aware of our own sins, how can we be of help to somebody else? If they aren't, it shows us the state of our hearts. And when that's the, when that's the case, we've got to be very, very careful about our judging others. But when we do see our sins as planks, as huge two-by-fours in our life, the depth of our self-centeredness, our pride, our anger, our lust, our bitterness, our jealousy, then, then, we will be able to speak the truth in love. The question is, right now, is that the description of the evangelical church in the United States? Is that this church? Is that what this church is like? That we see ourselves for who we truly are? That we see the plank in our own eye corporately? Or do, we have, do you have friends like that who, who, can, who can honestly see the, 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 the broken patterns in their own lives? Or how about you? Are you like that? Where you see your own stuff clearly? And, and, and that it's deep. That you understand it. Is that how we relate to one another in our judging, in our um, evaluating other people and what they do? Not cowering back, not holding the truth back, but not being harsh either. Or do we, not, not, not being just Minnesota nice, all's good, all's well, yeah, but also not condemning. Is that, is that who we are like? Now, when you think about how we get a heart like this, a heart like Jesus, where do we get that kind of heart? Well, I think verse 6 is helpful here. Here Jesus tells a, kind of a one-sentence parable about pearls. He says, don't give them to the dogs. Don't give them to the pigs. These are animals. These are beasts. And... If you do, they very well may turn and trample you and eat you up. The image is of a person who is feeding these animals, right? And, but in doing so, he's not doing his job very, very well. Because he's giving them not food, not corn cobs, not leftovers from the table, uh, as is an image other places in the gospel. But he's giving them pearls, things that are of no use as food, these beasts, to these animals. They'll choke on them. And because they might, they would turn then and eat you because maybe you're more edible than these pearls. Right? <laughs> and it's not just rocks that, the, that this person is throwing to these animals, but pearls. And pearls, as Jesus says, are sacred. They're special. They have value. <clears throat> we know from another place in Scripture Matthew chapter 13, that the pearl is the gospel. This is another uh, kind of two-sentence parable that Jesus tells a little bit later on in the gospel. He says um, that in essence, this, this one who has found the pearl of great price does what? He finds this thing, understands its value. And because he knows the value of this thing, he sells everything, absolutely everything, 
to receive the pearl, so he can buy this pearl, so he can attain it. He sells everything. And we know that this, that this pearl of great price is the gospel, the good news of the king, that he has come and he has chosen us. He has chosen us, and he has come and gotten messy for us, scooped out everything of us that is dirty and wrong and all the bad patterns and pinned all those things to the cross. He got messy for us. This is sacred. This is the pearl of great price. But if you go back to uh, our story, the first parable here in Matthew chapter 7, what is, how, would a, how would a pig, an animal, receive this? Receive this? Uh, you might say a piggish person would look at the gospel and say, well, how does this work for me? How does this satisfy my appetite? What's in it for me? I, I, I'd like to make money. Is God going to help me do that? Is he going to help me get the things that I want? Is he going to get me, allow me to live in ease? Is he going to allow me to live in comfort? Of what use is it for me? That's the way an animal thinks, just living on instinct. But a person who truly grasps the gospel, who would sell it all, who understands the value of the gospel, would sell it all just to receive it. Those who understand, believe, grasp, clothe themselves with the gospel. Understanding that Christ died for them. That everything he has he's done, he has done for us. Those people are transformed. And they can no longer be condemning. Standing in the place of God over people. Separating us from them. Distancing ourselves from people. As if to say, you are out, I'm in, that's the way it works. No, these people who are overwhelmed by the gospel, who have sold everything to receive it, draw people to themselves. They don't write people off. Now, sometimes when we go to people um, and we press them with the truth, God calls us into this and, and they can't receive it. I think this parable says that we need to take responsibility for our part in that. It very well may be our fault. We are throwing our pearls before swine. They can't receive it. It's just who they are. We say, wow, I'm bold for the truth. I'm courageous. I'm a, I, I, I'm a soldier in God's army. I'm just going to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may or let the pearls fall where they may choked on it. These folks. And Jesus in his parable is saying, we need to be with people where they are at. Being gracious and humble. Understanding that God has, has met us where we are at. You see, the only way we're going to become the person that can speak the truth in love, to see our sins as greater than other people's sins, to be humbled uh, into graciousness, is when we see the gospel for what it is, the worth of the gospel, and sell it all. Sell it all to receive it. We stop calculating. We stop asking what's in it for me. We stop saying, oh, it, it works for me. We become, not, we become unlike the pig, unlike the dog. 
seeking to satisfy our appetites. And we just melt under the wonder of grace. Understanding that this has changed us forever. And you know what that does? It melts our witness too. Meaning it's sweet like honey. We come before people, drawing them to ourselves. Wanting to love them. And our words end up following. Our witness ends up following. Where do we get that heart? We get it from Jesus. The one who came. The one who brings us the good news. Have you ever heard about Jesus dying on the cross? And it, ha- and it hasn't really captured your heart? I pray that you would stare at it, look at it, read about it until it does. Until, it, in, until all the bitterness, all the angst just melts away. Look at it until it does. Now, here's the thing. Someone, no matter how... Uh, you go to that person, someone, no, no matter how gracious you are toward that person, uh, no matter how gently you might tell them the truth, <laughs> they just hate it. They can't receive it. Right? They get angry with you. They turn on you. You can't avoid that kind of stuff. You just can't. And guess what? Neither could Jesus. Jesus couldn't avoid it either. In fact, he walked straight into it. He came that he came to earth that we might trample him. That he might be trampled by our sin. He talks about this in John chapter one. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Isaiah talks about this when he writes many hundreds of years before this, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, the punish that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. By His wounds, we are healed. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Do you have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive this beautiful, amazing, unbelievable message of grace? God wants you to receive this. He says, it is about, salvation is about nothing you do. It is not about your merits. It's not about you showing up here. It's not about thinking right thoughts. It's not, not about church attendance. It's about none of that. It's about what He has done for you. He has come to take your goo and your messiness and all the patterns of fear and guilt and pride and bitterness and all of that and pin Him to the cross. It is all on Him. He took what we deserved so we could receive what only He deserves. That is the gospel. And He wants you to walk in light of that so you will shine. So your heart will be free from all of that. And you can shine and your witness can shine before the world. Folks, we need a culture like this. If ever we needed a culture like this that shines the grace of God in the world, we need it now. We need people who will understand the gospel and sell it off to receive it so that we could then walk in truth and share the truth in love and grace and humility. We need to be a community that is humbled and gentle, devoured by love and radically, loving radically, because there is one who is radically loving of us. He was trampled for us, that we might be free. 
shine our lights. 